Hello friends, welcome back to my solo road. What's going on? What's up? Ella is gnawing on her leg right now, so if you hear anything disgusting, it's either that or the 400 semis that are at this rest stop right next to me. But I hope you guys are doing fantastically. I am sitting in my van right now alone, which we all know I love, <laughs> but I'm drinking wine for the first time in days. Thank God I have finally gotten back to routine. So I have been waking up, I've been making my coffee first thing, reading, I've been going to a dog park and reading and drinking my coffee there with no phone. I sit there, I let my dogs play, I play around with them, throw the ball for Ella. If you follow Ella's Instagram, you know my recent dog park drama. Some guy was there and he was out to get Ella. So you know my mama instincts came out very hard. I spent like the better part of 20 minutes trying so hard not to say something or argue because he was only giving his dog dog treats and yelling at Ella every time she wanted one and then throwing a ball for his dog and his dog only and yelling at Ella every time she wanted to play ball with his dog. It was just a whole fiasco. I don't like when people come to the dog park and yell at any dog unless it's like because of aggressive behavior or something, you know? It's freaking weird. Okay, but basically going to the dog park, drama aside, no phones, reading, drinking coffee, enjoying the morning by myself, and then running all of my errands because the dogs are tired and then I go back to the dog park. I bring all of my my laptop, my phone, all my work stuff, planners. I have like a journal for literally everything and I bring all of that in there. I pick a table and I just set up and I just post there for the day. Like I, I do all of my work at this table while the dogs are running. I love doing this when I'm not camping because when I'm camping I can work outside the van. The dogs can run. It's just much easier and I feel way less guilty when the dogs can do stuff while I'm just working for like four or five hours minimum, you know? And then after the second time of the dog park, I come back to the van, I eat, they eat, we do our kind of evening routine, whatever, you get it. But I've been taking vitamins, I've been drinking tea and water instead of wine. I'm still drinking a ton of coffee, but yeah, I've just been doing better. I've been meditating and doing yoga and yeah, just reading, writing, doing the things that makes me happy. So, you know, I was really stagnant for a few weeks and I talked a lot about this, but I just wasn't feeling good. I wasn't doing yoga. I wasn't taking my vitamins, which as silly as it is, like as a vegan, you really have to be careful. Like I have to take my iron. I have to take my B12. Otherwise I'm tired. I get really lethargic easily um, and I actually can feel slightly out of balance. And that's probably because I'm also not the healthiest vegan in the world. I know there's a lot of vegans who don't have to take supplements because they know the right diets and stuff, but I just frankly don't care enough about about it. I just don't want to eat animals. So that's like my main choice for doing it. And so I just take the supplements and whatever. But if I don't, I'm out of whack. Point of, of the story here is I'm back in balance. We're back in business. I'm doing better, which is, uh, God, I feel a lot better. But I just posted on Instagram that I wasn't feeling this podcast so much. I was sitting in my van laying down and that sounded a lot better than talking out loud to this microphone for an hour. But you hyped me up and you you asked me to do it, so I'm going to do it. There's a few things that I wanted to talk about today, so I'm going to say it as eloquently as I can, but these are going to be my recent thoughts and insights into my brain today. So grab wine. That's my number one recommendation. If you don't want to drink, grab coffee, tea, water, or whatever else you would like, and I will see you back here in one moment. All right, so 
first things first, I just grabbed a few pillows and put them behind me so I have a cushion. And I just wanted to mention, I have bought a lot of new decorations for the van. I have not bought one single new decoration since I bought my van two years ago. And this last week, I'm finally in Portland. I'm in a city where there are stores and there's like small local stores. There's Targets, there's Home Depot for plants. There's all kinds of stuff in different places where I can actually buy things and cute things that I like to decorate. And I think that's another element to my mood being a little boosted. I feel like I'm getting something new and shiny and nice. And I've just kind of been sitting in the exact same van for two years, which I also still love. But yeah, just kind of adding some new things is exciting. So if you have the budget and you want to buy a couple things, even if it's super cheap, honestly, just kind of revamping your space feels pretty good. Let's move on to not decorations. So something that's been on my mind a lot recently has been a lot of women reaching out, not even just women, but primarily women, reaching out about me feeling safe on the road and how badly they want to live on the road, but they're so scared of jeopardizing their safety. And before I go into my, one of my core beliefs of, you know, feel the fear and do it anyway, I recently got this message from someone who listened to an episode from several months ago. And she was really, really kind, very, very nice. But she basically was telling me, hey, I listened to an episode. I was a little disappointed. You talked about, you know, safety and how even if you're putting yourself at a little bit of risk, you should just do it anyways. And she was like, I just don't think that's a very accurate message or a very responsible one to be sharing to a lot of people because as a white female in a nice van, you probably have a lot more privilege on the road than a lot of other people. And I know before anyone, I know a lot of you guys understand this and you'll be right here with me as I talk, but the few of you who are rolling your eyes and you're like, oh, here we go again. No, this is like a very, very real thing on the road. A couple nights ago, I was parked at a hotel and for the first time in the history of me being in hotel parking lots, a security officer knocked on my door. This is the second or third time I've had knocks on my door, but two of those times that I can recall, the officer, and this is what happened this time too, was immediately sees me and they apologize for knocking on the door. And they're like, I'm so sorry. I know you might've been sleeping, but I just can't have you parked here. There's a street, you know, turn right, do this, do that. You can sleep there. I apologize again, blah. Like it's a very, very cordial conversation. They feel guilty. And the reality is that a lot of other people don't have that privilege. Like they see a young white female with a chihuahua and a golden retriever in a newer vehicle. The one time I opened my sliding door because that it was a police officer and they requested that and he was blown away by the build and the conversation gets turned towards something like that. And so I don't want to ignore the reality that when I say, feel the fear and do it anyways, I understand that for a lot of people, there's a lot more risk and I don't ever want anyone to jeopardize their safety. And I understand that I'm traveling in the United States. And so there are a lot of other countries you might be listening in a different country and where you live or where you might be thinking of traveling, it might not be nearly as safe as the United States. There are places here that are designated for camping that are really, you know, supposedly safe. Obviously there's risk everywhere, but there's some countries that are extraordinarily more dangerous. And so 
Take my messages as you will. I really want you to apply it to yourself. I can't speak on behalf of people of color, obviously, and I never want to, but I I can speak on my experiences and do my best to tailor my experiences and my stories to include everyone because I do want everyone to be included regardless of where you're traveling or what you look like or anything, whatever it is. Yeah, I just, I wanted to kind of get that out of the way before I go into the next thing, which I'm not just going to immediately be like, so anyways, feel the fear and do it anyways. But I do feel like I have never gone into detail in a couple of stories, and I'm not going to go into too much detail or this episode's going to be four hours long. But as just a woman in this world, I have been through it. I know what it feels like to be a woman and to be hit in the face with reality that that is my position in this world. As strong and brave as a lot of solo women on social media may appear to be, you know, I know I for one have been harshly reminded of my quote-unquote, you know, weakness as a woman. So I, I just for no reason other to sit like than to maybe normalize some of your experiences as a woman in the world and to really say that regardless of what you have been through two things first of all i completely understand if your past experiences traumas or anything else have led you to feel completely uncomfortable and turned off by the idea of ever living on the road or putting your safety at risk like that completely understandable you shouldn't feel compelled to if you truly don't want to number 2 to hopefully inspire you that if you don't feel completely turned off by the idea that regardless of what you've been through, you can very much do this as well. And while I know that my safety might be put at risk a little bit, my biggest traumas and experiences and bad things that have happened to me and like very, you know, short term, they've all happened while I didn't live on the road. Oh, I might be fooling myself by, you know, giving myself this illusion that by constantly traveling and moving, I can kind of escape that risk, right? Like, you know, I feel like maybe sometimes I can convince myself, well, if I just leave and then I just leave and then I just leave, maybe I can always be ahead of that risk or be ahead of that danger, which that obviously doesn't make sense. But I do think that there is an essence to this lifestyle that constant movement makes me feel like I can never be reached or know someone long enough for them to hurt me or whatever. But basically, what I want to go over is a couple of stories that of things that have happened. And this might be super weird, but it's also slightly cathartic for me. And yeah, like I said, I just want to normalize some of your experiences and they're probably completely different. But the point is, uh, you are justified for not wanting to travel and you have every right to take charge of your life and travel if that is what you want. So first up is me being pantsed in high school. I know I told this one in a previous episode, so I'll do it quickly. But essentially, this was like the first thing, you know, at a very young age, I think I was like 13 or 14, where I felt like there was a loss of control over my body at the hands of someone else. And it was the first time that I had worn sweatpants in public, as little and silly as that sounds. I wore these sweatpants to high school. I was one of those girls who like, I wanted people to like me. I wanted the the boys to like me. I wanted the girls to like me. So I straightened my hair. I did my makeup. I would have never worn sweats to school until like college when I wore them every day. But, and I, I wore these, Victoria's Secret sweatpants one day to high school and I walk in, there was this huge area 
of kids where we would meet up every single day. Like, I'm talking 300 kids. Like, I think there was 4,000 in my entire high school. And, like, at least 300 kids would meet in this massive area in the middle. And it was called the Commons. And that's just, like, where the kids said hi and good morning and we talked to our friends. And it was very clicky for, like, 15 or 20 minutes before uh, first period. And I was dating this piece of shit at the time. And he also was very... He, he very much took advantage of me and treated me horribly. So that was another just kind of negative experience of relationship, love, uh, physical affection and all of that. But he was standing in front of me and I was saying good morning to him. I'm dating him. I was in love with this douchebag and he is looking at me and he makes this weird gesture with his hands. And I was like, what is he doing? And I, I don't remember if I said anything or not, but before I knew it, he had been signaling to a kid behind me to pull my pants down. And so this other guy pulls my pants down. I'm wearing these black underwear. I'll never forget. I don't want to describe them too much because that's weird. But I am suddenly standing there in front of all of these kids. It's high school. So obviously everyone who saw it starts like yelling. And so then all of the people in this entire area are just staring at me with my pants down. And if you know me and you know how I have horrible social anxiety, you can only imagine what this made me feel like. And so I had to bend down. I talked about this in the last episode. The worst part is not getting your pants pulled down. The worst part is having to bend over, ass in the air, and pull your pants from around your ankles back up to your waist. Like, it's the most humiliating. Like, that motion of having to do that is burned into my memory forever. And I mean, the hero of the story here is the fact that I run to the bathroom, I start sobbing, I call my mom, and I'm like, mom, this just happened. I was I was heartbroken. As little and silly as it might sound, I was so heartbroken at that age. And I was just, not because of my boyfriend, I kept dating him, don't worry, but just heartbroken that this just horrible experience had just happened. And so I go to first period, and... I look, you know, five minutes into class and my dad is standing. I had called my mom, told her what happened, or maybe I texted her or something, but my dad is standing at the front door of this classroom. He was like, I need to talk to my daughter now. And so I walk out of the classroom and my dad was like, who did it? And where do we find him? And so basically this kid got suspended for like a week because he took a girl's pants off in the middle of school. And my dad made that happen because I would have just cried for the rest of the week, you know, maybe not gone back to school for a few days and, you know, done nothing about it. But Papa Ferb, he sure took care of things. So at a young age, I was, you know, this happens to a lot of people. This is not some crazy story, but at a young age, I learned what it felt like to, in a moment of notice, lose control and feel unsafe with someone who I thought I loved, but also, you know, in in terms and connection with my own body. And I hated that feeling. So fast forward to college. And honestly, we're skipping over a couple of stories because we're still working through them. But I was at a bus stop when I was probably 20 years old and I had just visited my best friend. And she was also, I think, like 20, but she was in her apartment. I had just been hanging out with her. It's 
early, early evening. I'm talking like 6 p.m., 7 p.m. at most, but it's like summertime, so it's completely light outside. I didn't feel, you know, like my safety was in any kind of question whatsoever, and the bus stop is literally right. She could look out her window and see the bus stop, and I was living in Chicago. You ride the bus absolutely everywhere. I rode the bus every single day to class, so it's just a routine that was completely normal for me. So I'm standing actually in front of the bus stop, kind of like just standing right in front of the little plastic shield thing where you can sit. And I have my arms up on this little post thing and I'm on my phone and this young man comes walking in front of me and I look up from my phone and we make direct eye contact. We smile at each other. And I remember thinking he's kind of attractive. And then I look back down on my phone and there's no one else around, but there could have been someone like, you know, a couple blocks or within earshot, but I, I'm on my phone. I'm not paying any attention to anyone who's that far around. I just see this guy who's kind of out of my peripheral. He's also at the bus stop, but he's a, at least a few yards away. And I look back down on my phone. Before I know it, this man is in a full lunge towards my body and I can see him. Like I said, he he was in my peripheral, but suddenly I can see him out of that just coming so quickly, like lunging towards my body. And so I turned my head super fast, obviously. And because I was holding my phone, my first instinct was, oh my God, he's trying to grab my phone. And so, you know, I pull my arm away so that my phone's going the opposite direction that he's lunging. I don't know if this makes sense. I'm like acting it out, but I forget you can't see me. And as soon as I think he realizes that he can't steal my phone, I still to this day, we, I mean, I have no idea what his intention was, but he just starts grabbing me. He as, picks me up and kind of like throws me to the ground. Like, you know, not to the point where I was severely injured, but I was on my back. And so he's grabbing me, grabbing my arms, grabbing my boobs, grabbing my butt. But I don't know if his intention was trying to like rob me and find something or if there was any kind of sexual, like I have no idea what it was. It was weird. I think that he was trying to find something to steal. And after, you know, 15 seconds, I'm screaming bloody murder and I'm like kicking, I'm thrashing. And I mean, it ha 15 seconds is 15 hours when this is happening. And finally, no idea. I feel like this makes no sense, but I have no idea why he did this. But he grabs my vagina as hard as he possibly can to the point where that hurt and then runs away. Like that was like his last fuck you. And then he just runs off and he's completely out of sight. And so I'm just laying there kind of like I'm half sat up and I'm just numb to the bone, like can't move completely in shock. And I called my friend and I couldn't get any words out. And so she immediately, my she, she's like one, she's one of my good friends. She watches SVU Law and Order and all this stuff with me. And so on the phone, even she was like, Sydney, can you talk? Are you in the trunk of someone's car? What's going on? Cause she could hear me kind of breathing like I was on the other line. And so she comes down from her apartment and I'm just like, sitting in the same exact spot with silent tears down my face. And she's like, what happened? And I finally, you know, start to kind of choke out what, what had actually just happened. Cause I'm still, I was like, Tegan, he, he's around. Like this, this dude can't be far. This happened three minutes ago. Like he's, he's here. He is somewhere. What if he comes back? What do we do? Oh, like we need to go inside. And so she's like, Sydney, I'm calling the police. And I was like, dear God, don't call the police, which in retrospect, 
obviously I should have. In the moment, I wanted to take 45 showers, get this off of me. I felt like someone's hands had just been all over me and I couldn't get them off. Like that's how it felt. I just felt like I couldn't get his touch off of my body. And so we go inside her apartment, I shower, I get in an Uber and I go straight home. I had to be on the phone with her the entire, because of her demands, by the way, to be on the phone with her the entire Uber ride so that we made sure the Uber driver couldn't do anything. And then I go to my apartment and I locked myself in my apartment for like three days. I just felt super gross. And it was a very... I mean, it was just a harsh reality of like, I'm standing at a bus stop, a thing I do every single day. I mean, I didn't take the bus after that. I I took the subway sometimes, but I never wanted to stand at a bus stop where there is no one even in broad daylight. And I mean, it just reminded me how, like if I would have been a man, that probably wouldn't have happened. He probably wouldn't have lunged at me and thought there was any form of weakness there. And so, yeah, it was just kind of like, oh, okay, the things that your parents do say... Are, can be true, and I'm not this invincible young person. And I think that's another thing that a lot of parents and guardians or people from the outside look at van life. And I've been told that before. You know, you're not invincible. Something can definitely happen. And, and trust me when I say I very much know that I am not an invincible person. Something could happen tonight. It could happen tomorrow. But there are many things that have already happened. And none of them happened while I was in this van. Not to say that it can't, but the point is, if it can happen in my, you know, in my apartment, outside of my apartment, outside of my friend's apartment, in a restaurant, these random instances, and like I said, I'm, I'm not, I can't go into every single story because there, this would be a very long episode, but I think as women, most of us have experienced a, a story, a traumatic event to some extent. I remember sitting at a table with a circle of my friends at a restaurant. And I can't remember if we were drinking or why it happened, but one of them spoke up about the fact that she had been assaulted as a child. This, hey guys, this is what girls apparently talk about at dinner. But no, we we actually were. We're just sitting in this circle. So she starts talking about it. And obviously we're all her friends. We're like comforting her. We're talking to her about it. We're kind of talking her through to her comfortability. What happened? You know, what, what makes you bring this up right now? Whatever. We're talking about the whole thing and helping her through it. And then the next girl starts telling a story that was pretty similar. And the next girl starts telling a story that was similar. And before we know it, you know, all 10 of us have talked about these stories of things that have happened and moments where we didn't feel safe in our bodies and comfortable in our safe spaces. Like we're we're supposed to feel okay at a bus stop. We're supposed to feel okay in our apartment or in our house or wherever something may happen. And so I think the thing that has propelled me into van life and probably like in a mentally healthy way, in a mentally unhealthy way, I think I very much realize that something can happen anywhere and I want to live my dream in the meantime. But I also think part of me is, you know, always trying to escape danger. And I feel like if I'm just out in the middle of nowhere on my own, near no one who can hurt me or touch me or do anything that I don't want or make me feel pressure to do something I don't want, then I don't have to, right? Like I feel safe by myself. I feel in control by myself. And that was 
the biggest thing, I guess, random, what's it called? The segue? And random segue into what I was mentioning at the beginning that I wanted to share a breakthrough from therapy, especially today, was just the fact that, you know, I've talked a lot on the podcast about physical touch and the fact that I don't really like physical touch and my mom is not the most affectionate person. And so I just always attributed the fact that I don't like it to the fact that she doesn't like it. Maybe it's a genetic thing. Maybe it's because it's just who I am. That's not my love language. But the truth is I'm pretty not, it's grossed out is so not the right word. I'm very sensitive to it and I I don't like it. Like I immediately, my physical instinct, even if I'm thinking of something completely different, my physical, my instinct is to pull away. I don't want to be there. I don't want to be in that situation. And I've been talking to my therapist a lot about it. Hopefully it doesn't bother me how much I've been talking to you guys about therapy, but I'm very involved in it right now and I'm trying to be a better person. So that's, it's just constantly on my mind. So sorry if that bothers you. But today she told me, Sydney, it makes perfect sense. Like I never really made the connection that my my instinct and my feelings towards physical affection could have anything to do with the things that have happened to me. And she was like, it makes perfect sense why you don't associate physical touch with love and connection and positive feelings. You associate it with, you know, trauma and a feeling of being unsafe and a feeling of losing control, you not having a control over your own body. And therefore you don't even want to engage with the possibility of that happening. Even if your brain is telling you that the person you're with loves you and you're safe with them, your body and this is what she was saying, and I was like, what? But your body holds more memories than your brain. So you only think of the memories that you have in your mind, right? Like, that's what makes sense. But your body holds memories even more and better and more detailed than what you can, like, mentally remember in your brain. So if something has happened, and then even if someone who loves you does the same thing or comes up from behind and tries to grab you, you know, I've always thought, well, he's trying to be sweet, you know, and I'm obviously referring to Lee, but when someone loves you and they're coming up from behind you to grab you and in their head, they're like, oh, this is going to be a sweet thing. I'm going to hug her while she does dishes. Your body can associate that with a person who grabbed you from behind or something in relation to that, even though that was never going through my mind. Like, uh, you know, I would never, like, Lee would never touch me and me completely just flash back to a moment of trauma, but my body did. And I just didn't even know that. So fun facts. That's what I've been working through in therapy is like potentially other reasons why I am not a fan of physical affection other than the fact that it could also be influenced by my genetics because my mother is that way. I don't know why my mother is that way. She could have gone through things that I don't know about or maybe not. I don't want to like speak on her behalf and say that anything ever did. But, you know, we all have our reasons for different things. And I don't want to be convinced that, you know, this is just the way that I am. And that up until this point has kind of been what people have told me. They're always like, Sydney, it's fine. It's just not your love language. It's just not this. And so that's what I've talked about on the podcast before. I don't like physical affection because that's just not my love language. And my mother is not this way. So that's why I'm not this way. When it actually could be something that I work through and potentially, you know, fix, quote unquote, I don't like that term, but 
like I can get past that once I actually realize the real root of it and knowing my past experiences and what I've been through I I now understand that that probably has a lot more influence on my current behaviors towards relationship and physical affection in general. So we are learning, having some realizations. I hope all of that made sense. I feel like I told you we're going to be jumping around a lot. There was even a couple more stories I have written down, but I feel like that's enough for me talking about like trauma and things that have happened. My instinct wants to be like, I know those stories aren't that bad, but the truth is that they did affect my behavior, regardless of like where they fall on the spectrum of negative influential things that have happened in my life. Ooh, okay, let's do a BetterHelp ad. <laughs> That'll lighten the mood around here. Okay, so BetterHelp, do you know what it is? It is online counseling. I had a session today. I love it so much. Essentially, I can talk to my therapist on my phone from wherever I am, regardless of if I have Wi-Fi or not. You just download the app, or you can do it on the website on your laptop if you do have Wi-Fi, but I prefer the app on my phone um, because I can just do it off of my cellular data. And yeah, if you don't like your therapist at first, if you're just not vibing with them, which I did get lucky, my first person was phenomenal, but if you don't, you can go to like your dashboard and you will immediately get changed to a different counselor. It's super easy. Uh, you can choose different specialties if, like, you want someone who specializes in the queer community or if you want uh, a black counselor, if you are a person of color and you want someone who directly aligns with your race, your culture, your experiences in any regard or any capacity, they offer all of these things. And so, yeah, I'm going to give you the code. It is betterhelp.com slash divine better help with a P. People always DM me and think I'm saying better health. It is better help with a P dot com slash divine. You put in divine if it asks for a code, but if you use the proper URL, typically it will not ask for the code and you can join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. That's right. There's a million people on better help. That is insane. But anyways, if you're traveling or you don't want to go into an office and you never know where you're going to be at, like myself, then BetterHelp is a pretty solid solution. So let's talk about a couple exciting things happening in life. Yeah, we should end on that type of note. Not that I don't really enjoy a good cry or some good, you know, therapeutic conversation. Not that I cried in this episode. I really try not to cry on the podcast. It's a little dramatic, you know? I can do that on my own time. But a couple things. So I'm going to make these up as I go. Not like lies, but you know, like I have literally no notes today. It's probably pretty obvious with the insane chaoticness of this episode. But the coffee company, if you don't know, you should listen to the podcast more. I am creating a coffee brand with, drumroll please, I'm going to say it, I'm going to say it, Dollop. It is Dollop Coffee. It's one of my favorite coffee companies in the history of the world. I haven't we haven't like gone through the last stages of it yet, so that might be a little premature, but I'm doing it anyways. My dad's gonna be mad. But Dollop Coffee Company is one that is largely in Chicago. I went there all the time when I lived in Chicago. I lived on one block and then my job was two blocks away from my apartment and there was a Dollop Coffee right in the middle. 
and we would go like at work. I will, I would go on my way to work all the time. But when I was at work, we would just go to dollop whenever we needed to get coffee for anyone or ourselves or whatever. Like we went there constantly. And the, the guy that I've been working with from the brand is just incredibly, incredibly nice. And so we are going to collaborate on two different hot coffee roasts. And then we're going to do a cold brew as well. We're going to have a hot kit where you can get an AeroPress, a bag, a shirt, and like, you know, I don't know, it's gonna be a little box of goodies. And then we're gonna do a cold kit that will include the cold brew and a couple of other goodies for the cold brew. And then obviously the individual, you know, just a bag of coffee or just the cold brew itself. So yeah, that's a couple of things. We're gonna set up like a subscription thing so that you can get coffee every month if you want it. There's a lot happening with that. It's my most exciting project at the moment. The only thing we are waiting on right now is my logo to be officially done, which should be within the next few days, actually. And then... I don't know, maybe a month from now? That's a really rough estimate. I say things on the podcast that I probably shouldn't say. Don't know the timeline, okay, guys? But it's gonna be very soon. The coffee will be out. I'm gonna have my own little coffee bag with my logo and my, you know, Divine on the Road and stuff on it, which I'm so excited. I've never seen my brand or my business on anything besides something that I create, like my own website or my own social media and stuff. So I'm very excited to be able to sell something and create something especially something that I love as much as coffee. We all know I drink it constantly. So it's going to be very fun and very exciting. And the next few weeks, I'm going to have interviews and fun things to talk about. And it's not just going to be me sitting here telling you basically what I learned in therapy today. I did that last week and this week. But you know what? That's nice too. I hope that helps you as well. Maybe after listening to this, you can in a very safe and healthy way, think back on some of your experiences, whether they're negative or positive, and learn how they potentially influenced your current behaviors. And I think may being able to make that connection and maybe why your body's responding to something in a way that's different than how you want. You know, like I, I kept blaming my brain and like, why doesn't my brain want this? But the truth is, I think it's just my body's innate reaction at this point. So hopefully you can take something from that. Maybe you are, you know, some way similar. Maybe you're totally not, but you might understand your partner's behavior a little better or a friend's or something like that. Yeah, it's just something that frankly, I'm happy to kind of have in my in my bank to know and to understand people's like brains a little better, their psychiatry. I think that stuff is, or psychology, I guess, psychiatry, not a professional, Sydney. But yeah, their psychology a little better. I find that stuff super interesting. So anyway, love you guys so much. I know this is a weird ass episode, but you made me do it. I wasn't going to record today and now I'm sitting here on my like second or third glass of wine, first time drinking in a while. And I'm just gonna, it's hot as hell in my van right now. So gonna turn the air conditioning on for a minute, watch some Netflix, and we're gonna go to sleep in here. If there's ever been an episode where you've listened and you feel like we are friends, this is it. Because Katie would tell you, this is basically how our phone calls go. So welcome to our friendship. This is what I bring to the table. As always, email me, message me, talk, join the Facebook group. That is one of my favorite things in the world. I love getting to know people through that. I can see your photos and your introductions and get to know you on a more personal level. I will talk to you next week. I love you so much. Thank you for listening to me. Goodbye. Goodbye.